Raleigh, Raleigh, Raleigh. Hey, we got this guy. So Brandon Hausler looks like he's on your new team for next year. I saw that. And uh, Matt Govero. <laughs> so who is this cat? Anyways, dude, are they are they up for the task for Ecuador? I mean, they're in. They're saying they're in. So we're good, man. <laughs> Welcome to the Evoke Bike Podcast. This is the new show, The Coffee Breakaway with Matt Govero and Brendan Hausler and we are basically we started this with our trip to Ecuador for Vuelta Ecuador and I think since we're teammates for next year we might as well keep this going and we bonded very quickly over actually Instapots first but coffee has been more of the main thread so maybe it will be the Instapot potpourri later in the season or something we'll see but um what's what's up what are you doing you're in and i i just made some coffee uh and just you know gearing up for the day what about you same just had that coffee that i was supposed to bring to ecuador that edwin narina uh from <laughs> city of saint i need to find <laughs> it it's so good dude it is okay <laughs> oh my god it's very unique and it's actually though cast a horrible shadow on everything else that I have. So I had, I don't want to be poo poo of a brand on uh, in public, but it is what it is. Kuma coffee. They have had so many good. I think I had three home runs from them in a row about a year ago. And so as I was coming back, I'd ordered a Christmas one and a one that I hadn't had. And they're both just like, it's a good cup of coffee, but it's not great. Yeah. So that's kind of a bummer. And then I had uh, the rest of Red Rabbit that we found in Ecuador after you left, which was a huge pickup by Forrest on his date. I love that he went out of his way <laughs> to find that. That's so awesome. what are you drinking? Uh, this is Southern Weather from Onyx. Love that. Yeah, it's, it's very good. How Tell people real Okay. Uh, I I did a pour. Wait, do you know I mean, wait, what do you I want, want to tell I want you to tell people the like the flavor profile of the coffee you had this morning because it is the most bizarre. Have I, you had it? I, no, no, no. It's the most bizarre I've ever read. Oh like, God. So let me try and pull that up. But the trade so if people haven't gone, let me make sure to put a link in here. If you Trade Coffee is just a huge compilation of roasters. And if you use, guess what, a code from me, it's actually a link. They'll give you a free bag. It's amazing. And Edwin Norina, here we go, from City of Saints. Oh, my God, is it still available? Damn it, it's out of stock. Yeah, it was it was from Thanksgiving. That's I ordered it for Thanksgiving for my brother-in-law. It is called, the taste notes now are wild cherry, strawberry jam, lemon lime soda. But the description is an experimental double anaerobic fermentation process combines with unique Sidra variety to create a cup that is incredibly complex with plenty of bright fruitiness and a rich buttery body. So if you're in the Discord, go to the coffee tab and you'll see an even longer uh description the person i don't know if you can remember this it was like the roaster had to explain the process to i guess they would to, be the, it was to the grower the, to the grower okay yeah yeah the, did the grower describe it to the roaster i i i think it was the roaster actually was like gave the grower some specific instructions i don't remember if it was how they harvested it yeah, but it was something. It was something really, really wild. And so, for people, you know, this is a forty-plus dollar bag of coffee, which I definitely did not look at when I ordered it on trade. It was thirty-five bucks. But you know, my my uh, foolish sort of like justification since I don't drink beer anymore. I'm like, ah, oh, it's that's easily a night at the bar. You know, like without even thinking. So sure. Treat yourself. And I've had something else from City of Saints. I like their logo. I like the bag. I like the vibe. They're from Brooklyn, actually, which makes me like them a little bit less for my own personal reasons. But um, 
The other one that I've had from them was good. I would rate it as good, not great. This I would rate as a top. I would put it in top 10 mainly because of how the flavor just hit in really different ways. And I'm, I'm, I struggle. I've posted, I've struggled tasting the notes that people describe this one. I would describe not by note, but like immediately the smell is like, Ooh, what is that? It is that like fruitiness, what people describe as fruitiness, which I don't really think is fruity. I think there needs to be a different word, but the, the smell was incredible. And, but something unique, it's like, Oh, I want to drink that. Like, I want to see what that is. And um, really good aftertaste, super smooth, buttery body. I don't know if like I've had some that are, there was one from passenger, which comes in these like tall pink bags, also very Gucci. And I bought a year ago, I think for Christmas for my brother-in-law to bring to their house. And that was like a that might've been a $50 bag of coffee, which was the first time I spent what I considered to be a quite absurd amount on coffee, hands down the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And I was like, Oh, this is a problem. Cause now I really, <laughs> you know, you see the difference. It's we're talking Dura A's first one Oh five, like noticeably next level of coffee. Yeah. It, yeah. It's made drinking coffee sometimes out in pot. I don't even really order coffee in rest. Do you want to drink coffee in restaurants? It's it's super super rare. Yeah, it's super rare. Because like, it's just disappointing. I, that's right. That's right. Even like, even going to coffee shops, like mm. it's it, you have to go to like a a specific like. All right, I know, I know the coffee here is good. Like I I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to crap on anybody but like i won't go to starbucks like yeah. i'll skip co- i'll skip coffee and not go to a starbucks drive through interesting see i would yeah. drink star i don't like starbucks anymore i used to um i used to really like their blonde roast for and when i say really liked because when i was at the hospitals it was like you get dunkin donuts there's this if i was in a town that had a local place like i was in ithaca new york they had gimme coffee but it was out of the way and a lot, you're there for work. So it's like, I wasn't going to like chill at the coffee shop, but I would try and get that. But yeah, you're definitely more advanced. And I feel what we were drinking and you made a comment and I was like, ah, dude, I don't, I don't, <laughs> coffee doesn't speak to me that way. But how did you make your coffee this morning? Uh, I just did a pour over. Like, okay. So you're not AeroPress all the time. Not all the time. I do the pour over pour over just because i can make a lot more um how, how much you drink in a day uh i'm like maybe three or four of an eight ounce okay uh in the morning and then i normally do like an espresso type drink at lunch why are you switching uh, up why go espresso yeah i i like a milk coffee something a little more like heavy bodied uh to to round my lunch off with i'd eat an apple and and drink a cappuccino with like homemade almond milk or cashew milk Mm, that's what we're seeing on the gram yeah that's right (laughs) i like it yeah matt was our coffee you were the barista while i was while i was busy drinking the water matt was boiling the water i was grinding the beans he was making the uh the actual pressing into very various different objects along the trip (laughs) so let's shift this into cycling as promised i like these little tangents to get things started uh stage four stage stage five i really want to get into stage five the most but i think hearing about the race uh stage four we had now you wore yellow oh no wait are you in yellow at this yeah you're in no i went into yellow after stage four. Oh, that's right okay great yeah. so never mind yeah. we haven't been in yellow yet we've won two stages jean-michel wins stage one matt wins stage two uh stage three who won that stage it was uh, the best PC sprinter, the guy yeah, that right. was in green. Mm, my bud. <laughs> your your favorite guy. My buddy. Jeez, <laughs> man, that guy, I don't know if we talked about on the show. That guy was yelling at me. 
he'd be so pissed. I think we did talk about that. And maybe we talked about on yeah. bike radio, but yeah. So the <laughs> stage is just this long, I don't know if you can say it's an uphill drag, but what was the actual, the feet gained was, if you have it in front of you, just yell it out. Uh, um, I've got it close. 2,100 feet. And it's literally like we just rode up a ramp. It was an average grade of 0%. So it's just a 70 miles of slowly creeping along. And again, game plan was getting the break, win the stage. We're heading into Santa Domingo. Uh, and then transferring to keto. So we were going into the mountains and this is pretty much when we said, well, we might not even have a shot in the mountains. So let's try and win again. Um, first, I know the first 30 minutes for me was like normalized 360. It was just a lot of attacks. It was, let's see here. It's kind of the part of the race that they now show on TV more but they used to not show the initial break formation, which is really super interesting. Yeah, it was of 33 minutes, 15% was zone six, 8% VO2 max, 8% threshold. Um, how did you, your version of the story is going to be more interesting. So tell me kind of how you saw that first 30 minutes sort of shaping up because then afterwards I'm just in the group chilling. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was from the gun, like drop the flag. People are just b- bombing it off the front. Um, you ended up in a couple moves, mm-hmm. like instantly. And I mean, it was nothing, like nothing would go. It, mm-hmm. You know, it just seemed, it drug out longer than any day for mm-hmm. a break to actually snap and go. Um, and it definitely seemed that every time you went up the road, more people chase than anybody else. Like, I don't know why, man. I was like, do they think I'm Matt? <laughs> like, you, it was, yeah, it was. I, Raleigh told me that people would possibly not work and, with yeah. me. And yeah, it was, it was a, there was one time when I was, I, I thought for sure I was gone and there were maybe six guys up the road and I don't, we didn't have anybody in it yet. And the group had like veered to the left side of the road. And then you could see like, and this is reading the race. This is the, I actually have a podcast coming out tomorrow, I think about just like race brain. And I see the guy who's on the front looking back, like why is no one coming around me? And he's still pulling and his teammates up there. And so they start to swing to the right to try and gutter everybody. And I'm probably 20 people back. And I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Just as they shut the door, like to the far side of the road, I'm going to come screaming past them. And so it was like, just clockwork. They're like moving over, moving over. And I'm like, here I come, here I come, here I come. And I like fly past them and the door gets shut. I'm like, this is it. Like, there's no way. Get up the road, turn around. And there's like six other dudes hauling across. And then everybody sits up. I'm like, what the? Yeah. And two guys just shook their head at me. And I was like, okay. I mean, we had other guys up the road. the only thing I can think of is maybe because we rode well in stage two, the super long stage that they thought, hey, well, these guys would be able to drive this away from us. But it doesn't explain then what happened 30 minutes in when yeah. you tell your side of the story. Yeah. So so basically, uh, everything got chased down and then suddenly two guys are off the front and it's uh, a best PC rider. And then it's Jordan Miller, who's on our team. Um, and actually, as I look back on it, I thought that there was a third guy. I thought that Star had a guy because when I replay why I bridged across the time that I did was I was 
shuffled back probably 20 wheels, maybe not quite that far. And things finally started to seem like, okay, two guys are off the front. Mm-hmm. And Movie Star was on the front. And I see one of their guys like kind of do a hand signal, like pipe it down, like, hey, let's recover because they had covered everything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, okay, the two or the three teams are represented. Um, you know, they probably consider Jordan not just a massive threat because he had pretty much just worked for everybody else up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see them kind of do that. There's just the smallest little lull, and I'm like, hey, let's go. So I just light a match, and I bridge across to the group. And when I get there, I remember, like, getting to where I could really see them, you know, 50 feet, 100 feet off the back of them. And I'm like, oh, crap, it's only two, and Movie Star's not in it. <laughs> and, and so... So when I get up to the group, the first thing I do is go to the front, um, pull a turn on the front. As I come back to the, as I come to the back, um, I kind of get right next to Jordan. I just ask him how he's feeling. Like, hey, dude, how are you feeling? <laughs> and he pretty much just says, I'm so glad to see you. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that, you know, he was, he was hurting. Um, yeah. But, you know, for, like you mentioned, the first 30 minutes of the race, I mean, for me was 352 for the, Very you know, similar. for the first, yeah. So, I mean, everybody was just, had been punching. punching. Um, and so it was kind of at that point where it's like, I've already done a ton of work just to even try to establish something. Now I've bridged to the move. And the move isn't even represented that well. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we have two guys, but movies like the, if not the most dominant, the second most dominant team there isn't represented. That means they're automatically on the front and they're chasing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you kind of have to make that decision. Like how, how much do you commit? Like, because we're not that far into this thing. Not far at like all. Like, it's, it's, it's not too late to just pull the plug. Um, you know, re- let things reshuffle. But anyway, so... I think there's a good point in there, a good lesson learned in there. And I always remember Max Chorus in 2012-ish when he won Amateur Nationals. And this is one of the wins that helped get him a pro contract. Bike Reg at Nationals had a stacked roster. Robin Carpenter was on the team. Uh, Alistair, somebody. They had you, when we raced against them, they had five guys. And I was like, damn it, they showed up. Like, And they were a super, super, super squad. And Max made the comment, I didn't go all in until I realized it was the break. And that is one thing that I keep wanting to talk more about that we talked about on stage two no matter where you are in the race, sometimes it's just not the move yet and you can't commit everything or you're going to ride yourself out of the break. And it's one thing I told Henry at one point when there were 12 of us off the front in stage three, like, dude, even though we're a few minutes up, like we can't just keep attacking because then when the heat gets really turned up, they're going to be so much fresher than we are. How, when you say like, Hey, okay, do I dial it back? I don't know if it's necessarily like, oh, well, they might catch us so we stop riding. But I look at it more as like, okay, I'm going to ride tempo threshold, but I'm not taking these hero VO2 max pulls. Is that kind of how exactly. you guys? hundred percent, hundred percent. Like it was one of those, it's like, all right, I'm going to ride a pace on the front that I would, you know, if I was going to solo attack like that, mm-hmm. I could maintain for this mm-hmm. entire, mm-hmm. you know, thing. So we're rolling turns. Um, we're keeping the speed really nice and high and steady. Best PCs. He seems really motivated. Um, and I'm trying to take 
at this point, because it's just three of us, long enough pulls to where Jordan doesn't feel like he has to take just a super long pull. Because I can tell he's a little more in the box than me at this point. When he when they initially got off the road, it was a big effort for mm-hmm. him. And it was pretty much then when I was like, my legs are on like a really a really good day, like that mm-hmm. invincible feeling. Uh, they they felt good, and we'll get to why I feel like I, I raced it very terribly for the same reason uh, later in, in a I'm minute. Cur- I guess I'm curious to hear that. Um, so I don't. I'm not quite sure how long we were up the road by ourselves, or the, just the three of us. Um, but it was less than 10 minutes mm-hmm. and a really big group came across. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of happened with, I remember, I can't remember. It's been so long now since the race. And this is why we need to do this right after it. I remember being by Henry and it was almost similar to when I was trying to sneak past a group moving to the side. I think we were both on the right side. And that group kind of like got clipped off the front as the there was like all these reshuffling because when you went and we you went it kind of incited some action you got across it chilled and then it was kind of like people were like oh wait is that actually going to be gone and it was like kind of the reshuffle happening all over again and then I forget how many like ten guys nine yeah. or ten guys got off the it, front it, it, it was nine guys got across. And so when we saw Henry in there, we were all like, dude, three, like, this is, I'm not doing a damn thing. Like if we can't, <laughs> this is the best hand that we can possibly play. Sure. Um, and yeah, I feel like it was not super long after I'm really bad at chronological, like remembering the race in the entirety. I was thinking my teammate, Dan Barney, who would be like, Oh yeah. Do you remember when we took that right hand turn at mile 57.9 or 0.8? And there was that little tree with what I'm like, dude, how do you remember it? Like, no, I'm, my brain is not remembering any of that. Um, so these guys come across to you. Yeah. They get across and almost all of them instantly like jump into rotation. Everybody's working. Um, it takes a minute to get organized, uh, which is pretty normal, but everybody was motivated to just full throttle. And I remember after making just a few rotations, thinking again, Movie Star somehow did not manage to get in this move. Dude, it was weird. It was like, I, I don't know how they messed that up. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I can say is we were all up front. I mean, they were there and I almost feel like at one point they let it go and just didn't. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know their team well enough to know like who do they believe in and who do they not believe in? And maybe they didn't think one or two guys could win the state. I I don't know what their motivation was, but it was definitely not to make that break or they really messed up. I can't see that they were, overly concerned with it and i think also they thought hey it's flat we can pull it back we've got a whole team da, 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 da. but that's exactly not what i would be thinking uh yeah especially after sure. the way we rode they should be like dude those white dudes are gonna crush <laughs> and now there's three of them up the road yeah so i don't know but pretty much we we instantly everybody pretty much started working together rotating the speed was high um there was a couple of the, it was the weird speckled orange, black, and white kit. Uno pin, something. Pin, pin, oh, not Pinchincha? No, it was the other one. one 154 or 5411. I know which one you're talking about. They look yeah. like Pinchincha. It took me That's a couple right. of days to be like, oh, you guys are different. Wait, oh, there's a lot of you now. I see it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, two of their guys went for all of the sprint points. <laughs> like, all out um and the first couple of times i'm like are these little dudes attacking because they were really really small <clears throat> and um the, what was happening was they would attack for the sprint points 
that like they would drop right back in. They would try to like slot in the middle and go straight back to working. And so it was really clear they wanted to be there so they could steal all the sprint points and take it away from best PC. But they wanted to work as well. Like we, we were there. You gotta stay away. We were there. That's yeah. right. We were their vessel to, to keep up the road. Um, and after the last sprint section is when a bunch of guys just fell off. One of that team's teammate, the one that was kind of doing the little lead out for him. Um, and then a few just popped, but pretty much the, the short story of the stage from that point though, was we worked, we rotated, we kept the speed high. Um, the last 20 miles guys quit working as well just because they were falling apart and the um the speed Which kind of shows the fatigue from just the first three days i mean sure somebody because the stage was short 70 miles 60 67 miles yeah. but the hamness of the beginning and then if you're in the break for an hour plus like yeah, not still not an easy day. Sure. And so um, the last probably 20 to 25 miles, uh, guys quit working as well. And my reaction was, you know, I would just kind of when it was my turn on the front or if, when the speed went down, I would just accelerate a little bit back up to the speed we had had. Mm-hmm. and form gaps and be like either y'all close them or you don't mm-hmm. um so that was about the same point gus came up he's pretty much saying hey look we're in yellow right now we're in virtual yellow y'all just keep the pace high like let's take yellow um that sounds all really fun and cool and it was cool to say that at the end of that stage, I did end up getting in yellow. And he did also make the comment. He's like, hey, in the last 10K, if you can, like, punch it, you think you can get away, like, maybe try giving it something. <clears throat> and so me, Jordan, and uh, Henry, kind of the goal was just to keep it high. Um, we totally should have just been firing attacks. Man, these guys, they were falling apart. Yeah. The speed was not keeping up. Like I said at the beginning, like my legs felt good. Like I could have ridden the speed we were going or faster on my own. Um, and instead of just accelerating, I commit. Like when Gus said, hey, you know, we can take yellow. I think my brain instantly went to the mindset of like, okay, we just have to stay away versus racing the win, mm-hmm. which is what I do is what we do. Um, and it doesn't matter if it was a move that one of the teammates could have won. doesn't matter if it's a, a you know, move that I could have won. That's probably my biggest regret mm-hmm. from the stage is God in my head. Hey dude, you can take, take yellow that would be cool but why not race for a stage win first and it it ended up like i'm not a sprinter now i can i can if it's a group of five six guys like it was like that was an ideal sprint scenario Mm -hmm. um something that you know i yeah i would put my cards in the ring but i don't like that's a last resort Mm -hmm. you know um yeah, you know, and see, it it just I don't I didn't race it I didn't race it well and I you know I think uh, and and Jordan and and Henry both really sold themselves at the end to like keep gaps closed keep the speed high so we could maintain the time gap that we needed and I think we should have and it, it's my you know it should have been I I won't say it should have been my call. I should have, though, been like, hey, dude, I'm not worried about yellow. 
let's race for a stage win, whether it's for one of y'all or one of me. And pretty much thrown the time gap out of the door, you know, out of the window. Cause I, I think we would have, I think we would have stayed away regardless. Now, whether it would have been 10 seconds, maybe, but I mean, we, we had three minutes at one point and we had 40, we had right under a minute at the finish. Like a minute is a long time uh, on a stage minute. like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, my initial when we when it was like, do we win? And it was like, no, but we got yellow. I was just like, oh, because yeah. to me, when I see a pro and it's like they have all these second and fifths, but they wore yellow. I'm like, oh, cool. But if someone wins a stage at something that is in my eyes, way cooler. The other issue that I had and to what you just said, though, that you should have made the call. I mean, Gus is the DS. He drove up and was like, hey, yellow, you listen to what he says. I think that was a massive mistake because the whole going into the race, we were actually told to never discuss yellow. So we in the group are, we're not concerned with you guys getting yellow. We're not even thinking of yellow. We're thinking of, they just need to stay away and we're definitely going to win this. We have three guys up the road at the end. We're actually trying to make it fast to keep everybody out of crashes to help Jean-Michel get prepared for the mountain stages. So we're like drilling it on the front. So we're the exact opposite. Like, so, you know, without race radios, I think it was a slight error for Gus to say, Hey, go for yellow half the team. We're not thinking yellow at all. And I'm thinking Matt's totally going to win this stage again, or Henry, or, you know, someone's going to set it up and yeah, just that smell the weakness. See these guys that you're going to be able to motor dude. It's, um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was a mixed emotions at the end. I was like, damn it. If we had won three, three out of the first four stages, who knows what's going to happen the next day. We should probably do stage five as its own podcast. Cause we're going to, I still want to talk about this post race, but I think, <laughs> you know, you got to listen to the guy that's in charge and that's what you guys did. And we got yellow. I mean, we're like super sad that we didn't win, but I think wearing yellow is super cool um for obvious reasons i think you still would have worn yellow and won the stage but you know life lesson it's yeah big time race race to win especially because we knew that there was not going to be yellow at the end of the race so it's kind of a it's you know you can't even really put it on the palmares like asterisk wore yellow it's like who gives a shit yeah. Um, it's cool, but it's not like written in history. The guy who sure. won stage four wrote it in history. So um, there, there will possibly be questions because this was actually a cat four question. So to go backwards a little bit, someone's going to hear you say that you had a teammate up the road. How do you judge? This is a question that I get quite often, or it's, it's a, a statement that someone says, a guy once told me, Hey, I'm going to do my first race. The only thing that I know that I'm not supposed to do is chase my teammate down. What else should I know about now? How do you find, I think this is a good topic to talk about. What's the difference between how you got across or chasing a teammate? And uh, my clue is, well, I'm just gonna let you open it up and then I'll say what I, how I look at that when, Cause it's a card game, right? It's like, do I go across? Do I not go across? There's risks and rewards. Like, what are you thinking in that process? Sure. Um, I think for one, the, they had enough gap up the road for one. Um, you'll actually see a picture. I think it's from this same stage. It may have been from stage three where you're in a group of three guys and I'm on the front. Um, I'll have to find it and send it to you. Sort of irrelevant, but it might be stage what, two. Stage two, because I'm in the break, and then you guys bridge across, right? Uh, yeah, but this is this is early in a okay. race, like when all the attacks are flying. Mm-hmm. And what happened is you had momentum going up, you know, to attack. I was on your wheel, and I just dropped on the front mm-hmm. and set up. And so you end up off the front with three guys and I'm 
I'm right mm-hmm. there on the front. Mm-hmm. And I, I think another thing people will do is um, their you know, first, second wheel and have gotten caught from a break that didn't succeed or from a move that didn't succeed. And what will happen is a teammate will counter and somebody will be like right on their wheel or chasing it. And they'll immediately jump on that person's wheel from the front of the race. Mm-hmm. 99% of the time, you're just towing the entire field together. Mm-hmm. Be, you have to be willing to just let it go. Mm-hmm. Like people get the idea of like, well, I'm just going to follow a move across to my teammate. No, you're bridging, you're, you're filling a gap in mm-hmm. and allowing everybody to string along. So you're all like that's creating just, that you're creating a draft then for everybody. You're like, that's you've now morphed the energy back to you welded it basically back together without. Yeah. And so I think for one, you have to, there has to be enough distance between the Peloton and the move. Um, and for, I mean, for the bridge, for this, uh, from this stage, I mean, they had, how many seconds do you think they had? 15? With the Jordan and the other guy? Yeah. Yeah, probably. It was enough. It was like they were motoring. I was like, "Mm, that's probably about to go. Yeah. Um, So one is like making the call on how much space and then where you attack from or, you know, go from in the group. Mm -hmm. Um, And two is making that read. Like I said, you know, the Movistar guy, pretty much all the guys on the front were Movistar. And I saw the guy make the gesture to like, hey, let's calm down a second. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's pretty much nobody that's going to just immediately jump on my wheel. It just the the whole the aura, if you will, of the race yeah. is like just like <laughs> everybody's going, yeah. like letting a breath out, like light the match, and I, it's it's a hundred percent just feeling and reading it and. And I think the the next, the biggest piece then is being cognizant of when you go that, you know, that you're going by yourself or with one guy, like you can usually tell pretty quickly. So it's like all those things that you said, plus after you go, because sometimes people go and they have no court awareness that six guys came up with them. And now it's just going to totally like squash the group. And, um, you you're dead on with like, it's just a feeling that you get from doing it over and over again, because initially, and I told you afterwards, I was playing, I think I've mentioned Vatsik, one of my most favorite teammates, because we would literally win a race and we would come across the finish line. And he'd be like, yo dude, you messed that up. And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, you could have done this better. And when we finished, I was like, man, you went, that was dicey. Like we had a guy up the road. There's like, when you went, people kind of were like, wait a minute, what's going on? And I was like, Oh Matt, Oh Matt. And, but it works. I mean, you got across and so you can't argue with what actually works. Um, and also to play devil's advocate to that. I don't think a hand that we want to play is one-on-one. I don't care who it is. What if Jordan flats? What if he gets tired? What if the other guy's just better? Like we need, we need the scenario that we had. We just messed up the scenario that we had because we had three guys out of 10. And I was like, this is a layup. And when I heard we got second, I was like, wait, what the hell happened? Like the three of you are all super strong. So lessons learned, you know, it's just, uh, but that is good. I think so for people here, like the chasing down your teammate, and this is a mistake I see people make is that if your teammate gets up the road that does not mean that your day is now done and you're chilling because guess what? If seven guys bridge across your teammate up the road in a group of three is now one out of 10 and you have a very small chance of winning the race. So it's, you're still looking for opportunistic ways to get across, um, which was obviously something that you were good at in stage two that you eventually got up to me. Then we got split up. Then you got back to me. Then you got off the front and nobody did anything. And it was like, see you later. And I was like, see you guys not gonna want to let this guy go i wouldn't know what they were thinking i I just it was such a good time to do that like and i was thinking about the other day i was wondering if they i think they were trying to start to plot against how they were going to split us up and i'm thinking that maybe they thought well we'll let him go 
we'll attack this dude, drop him, bridge. I don't know. Like that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. But the joys of racing. Oh man, this is getting me excited for our Velo Brew team call next week. One <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more note to like the the like bridging across versus chasing is, um, you know, <laughs> you can't be afraid to do five or six hundred watts for a minute and look back and if if people are if the whole field is just like right on your wheel chasing, you have to be willing to just pull the plug. Yeah. Like, uh, and before you've drug everybody up, like commit to make the move. If you look back and you've got the field is strung out and it's not about to, not about to break or there's people on your wheel or, you know, 20 guys are now filling in that gap. You have to be willing to just go, okay, rip, pull the rip cord, like come back. Like it's, it's not a, it's not a waste because you did 600 watts for quote unquote, no reason. A waste would be dragging everybody up to your teammate and another just that you've just have to be aware. Um, Drives me nuts when I see a teammate do this. And it's like, dude, look back, look back. If you look back and there's 30 dudes on a stage like this, clearly riding with, gusto it's like dude stop because now guess what we're all going to counter you and now i've just lost a teammate like it's not gotta be thinking it's i'm actually gonna try and start making some more podcasts about this because the first i'm gonna see what the what the reception is from the one is just talking about a crit of how i analyzed a lot of times you figure out what to do by realizing what can't I do? How can I not win? What's not going to work? And then you're left with like three choices instead of the million permutations that can happen in a race. And half of which you don't control. They're from the other guys that you're with. And it's truly a thinking man's game. I mean, it is, I, there's just such an obsession of Watts that are super important. Watts matter, but we just not checkers. Chestnut checkers, big time. There's actually in our coaches chat, somebody had made the comment. I forget what podcast we were talking about, the little things. And I had made a comment of, you know, WKO for most athletes that they do a two hour ride during the week. So that's two hours out of 24, one out of 12. What is that? 8%. So as people that give all this credence to the cycling data, 8% is what we have metrics on. And then that whole huge other piece of the pie is where you're recovering, taking care of your body, eating right, fueling, sleeping, having relationships, thinking, billions of things. And we're all like, what's my FTP? And what's this? And then they don't think about it. And then they come to a race and they get 12 and they're like, you know, but my FTP is really awesome. So, so it was a great, great. Hey, Lala, it was a great finish to the to the sea level. We get on the bus, we yeah. go to Quito, and it kind of it, it was sort of a party, not for us, but <laughs> we. This is this is the stage race life that people talk about that. I had only experienced a handful of times being an American cyclist. We don't get to do too many of these being an amateur cyclist. There's even fewer opportunities. We look at the room list and I'm thinking, wow, this is either going to be a really big room or a very cramped room. Cause there's five names on this list. And I am super jealous of Joey and Jordan that are in a two man room. And it's basically a hotel room with five beds in it and a couch yeah. and a big screen TV. And of course, there's no wash, so we all have to wash our kids in the sink that night. And then it's time to go to bed. And why don't you maybe? Well, how is the pre-race going into the mountains prep? And I and I want to preface this as this is the coffee breakaway where we were discussing the race. This is not an excuse. I didn't say a damn thing about this in the post-race from stage five, but it's part of the story. And so I want us to share that, but it is definitely not us making excuses because, hey, other teams were in this hotel and it is what it is. Uh, there were things that we could have done to mitigate this and we'll maybe talk about those. But um, 
how was post stage four for you? <laughs> uh, start, it started with a four hour bus ride uh, in the rain to Quito to huh. 8,500 feet. Uh-huh. Um, and the <laughs> do you want to start with do you want to just start with the, the bus ride experience or do you want to go straight to the to the to the beautiful night of sleep i would say i would say well what's the bus ride experience to you i mean it was literally bracing your bike for two and a half hours and then like the longest trip on a on a tiny, or I say a tiny bus on a cramped bus cramped to not bus. be able to like, you know, that's for me. I mean, that's when I started not feeling great. And I don't know if it was the bus that made that happen. I don't know if it was whatever I ate that ended up making my stomach not super happy, but my quick and dirty was I don't do well sitting in the back of cars. So I knew even a three hour bus ride, I'm like, I'm going to feel kind of like just queasy. But man, we were on that bus and I remember closing my eyes just being like, I wish I could just go to sleep because I do not feel great. And then by the time we went to bed, I was worried that I was going to crap myself all night. Something was not right. And it was a weird feeling because it was up under my rib. And I was, it was weird because John Michelle had this rib issue and I was like, what is, what is going on? And it was, I wasn't super hungry, which is just not like me. And I don't know if it was just, you know, s- small amounts of water, somehow maybe getting from washed bottles or whatever. I didn't feel like diarrhea, Um It was like a distended stomach. I felt really bloated. And luckily I was actually really sad when I went to bed. I remember just being like, I hope I'm not in this room shitting my brains out all night that's going to be embarrassing because I don't know all these people. Um, but also you're just the guy in the bathroom. And luckily I fell asleep after the first band finished. So we had this, it was the first time in my life that I've heard people stomping on the floor from the floor below us. So it sounded like people were above us jumping up and down. It was a full seven piece band, tons of people hooting and hollering <laughs> It's 1130. So I'm like four and a half hours past my bedtime. And I called onto the front desk. I'm feeling like pretty caliente. And I was like, Hey man, you know, this is, it's kind of late, not in Latin America. They're like just getting started as we learn. And like, can we do something about this? Oh yeah. Let me go check on it. Doesn't check on it. I call back and I was like, okay, what's up? Do you were able to check? Oh yeah. They're going to be done in half an hour. I was like, cool. Timer started. See ya. <laughs> I hung with them. I was like, you're such a dick. You're not even trying to help us out. Now I'm, I'm just going to try and go to sleep. Luckily I passed out. Meanwhile, Govero and co did not. No, no. So kind of going back to the stomach issues, like it felt like I had a brick in my stomach. Mm-hmm. So I definitely also had something going on just like my gut was uncomfortable it kind of for me was more of the like if you're on a long flight you Mm -hmm. get that bloaty just whatever the same kind of feelings of like just being on a long flight or similar for the bus ride we're now at 8500 feet in keto yeah so that's another wrench in there that we're now going from 1500 to 9,000 that's going to jolt something and so the band goes on I'm I'm a really light sleeper like I'm I'm no better that reishi dog dude it it works it works um I'm glad you said that I didn't take it last night or two nights ago and I'm I'm like tossing and turning and that's the thing reishi does not make you go to sleep reishi keeps you asleep and I'm like, what the hell? And I had had a coffee at two o'clock. I'm like, it definitely was the coffee. I walked out in the morning and I'm like, oh my God, I've got to take all those last night. Forgot the cordyceps, forgot the reishi. So you've tried it. Yeah. Dude, it's amazing. It is. I love that stuff. What, what's funny, here's my testament to it real quick, is you gave me four uh, reishi. Mm-hmm. You gave me two, uh, one of the nights when we were in 
uh, Antitaki. Mm-hmm. And then you gave me two to take on the plane ride mm. and I forgot to take them. And the night that you gave them to me when we were in Antitaki, I slept through the night for the first time in like a week. That's and then funny. I'd forgotten to take the ones on the plane, but I took them like two nights later at home, slept all the way through the night. Wow. Like it was like it was even spread apart it wasn't even like a dosing thing no pretty it's wild. weird pretty wild. there's other evoke athletes that have been like wait you posted that picture why do you take ratio and i made this video about it and i'm just keep i sleep so well i'm on a regular schedule but it it has helped to also eliminate the like 1 30 a.m bathroom run and just i love when i go to sleep at nine i wake up and i'm like Oh, I think it's past five. Whoa, it's five thirty. I just slept eight and a half hours straight through. Like that is just so. I don't care what workout I did the day before. I just feel so recovered. It's just like the sleep is. So sorry. Keep going. Okay. So, anyways, we'll put a code in for these if people want to try it. By the way, <laughs> the band is on. The first band's on. They're loud. Nobody can. No, nobody can, nobody like, can tame this beast. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I just can't like, I can't settle down. I can't get in that just space. I'm trying to do the thinking about playing the day through my head and pretty much it's just all the regret from stage four of racing it like a bonehead. Um, but you wake up and you call them and when you called him back the second time, <laughs> I got so tickled. <laughs> so I was definitely, I was definitely awake. <laughs> but but the the band goes off and like, I'm literally on the verge of just passing out, like actually falling asleep. And then a seven piece train horn quartet oh my God, <laughs> starts playing outside of our window. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> totally forgot about that that was not even real i don't want to steal your story you can explain it and then i'm gonna i forgot about oh my god dude i remember after that and i said what the f just happened and like five people broke out laughing and i think i fell asleep after i said that it was just like could you tell what happened (laughs) i mean this was unreal yeah, so <laughs> laying in bed, and it and it sounds like literally an Amtrak train like parts up to the window and just wails on the so loud. And so I'm like, I'm wide eyed. I'm like, all right, this is a dream. This isn't real. And like they're holding on the horn so long that it kind of starts to fade. <laughs> and I'm like okay, maybe a car crashed into the building or into something and like the horn is stuck. And cause like the horn is fading out and as it's fading out, a second one starts. <laughs> it was, someone was orchestrating this stuff. Like it was exact. There was like tonality to each different thing. And it was like, they would wind down and then the crescendo would happen and someone would like blast in. And I'm like, this is definitely organized. And <laughs> I don't know if it was the band that left from below that then just kept playing in the streets in their freaking cars. I'd never heard anything in my life like it. But if it was, if we took 10 of us and said, let's go do this, we could not recreate it. Like this was dialed in and they had, it was like a bus. It was a Mack truck. It was a little like, like maybe there was a scooter in there. There was something like a hi-hat. I was like, where are these sounds coming from right now? And it was a masterpiece, but I was so freaking pissed off. I was like, this is going to, this is not the way that, to... and meanwhile, yeah. then I'm like, okay, well, I haven't shit myself yet. So that's a plus, but not sleeping is going to be a problem. So, so this is all going on. You said you woke up and said exactly what you just did. And I remember also saying like, this is not real. Yeah. Like yeah, out yeah. loud saying this cannot be real, but naturally <laughs> and then you say i'm pretty sure that's the band they just left and, and the owner of the hotel went yep that's their room <laughs> i didn't remember this i was definitely out of it <laughs> and i just man i got so dadgum tickled again i was wide awake <laughs> 
And I think everybody who, <laughs> everybody who didn't take Reishi was awake and oh laughing. And and Brendan passed immediately back out. And so we all start to like wind back down. At this point, it's one, maybe. Maybe even and, later, I think. Yeah. And, and But no, so everybody starts to wind back down. I finally feel like I'm about to fall asleep. And another band comes on downstairs. And so it's just, it's just miserable from, I'll make it short, but it was just that in and out of like trying to sleep, trying to get comfortable, sleeping with a pillow on your head, um, tossing, turning. My stomach still kind of felt like I had a brick in it. Mm. And I have a, I have a picture of me, you and Jordan at breakfast the next morning. And we were all so exhausted at the, at the breakfast table. We just couldn't stop laughing like overtired. Yeah. Giggling. And it was, and it was laughing to keep from crying because I, I was destroyed. So me and we'll, we'll talk about this when we do the stage five, the sleep for me, I was like, I probably, you got three hours. I think you said. Yeah, which is three hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, it's not acceptable for like racing. I had, I would say, I'm going to say six. I was going to maybe say five and a half, but I I was maybe even going positive mindset of like six hours. They've shown all your growth hormone comes up by six hours. You're going to feel tired, but like maybe you can still ride. And I was thinking, this is where I am. Like, I've just got to get through this next stage. I'm going to go to bed super early. So my goal is, you know, we had joked about maybe we'll attack early. Maybe we'll like send things up the road early. That plan is out the window. It's like, I just, okay, I'm going to finish this race and then pass out. We'll be at the next spot and then kind of regroup. And, you know, stage five was one that we were definitely not thinking about winning. Maybe we can try and stay with the group. Like, and at that point, I remember thinking, God, I hope a group, I'm sure the beginning is going to be super tough. I hope a group goes and then people kind of ride to get like, you know, just we lose yellow. Someone's going to get yellow up the road. The other people realize the break's gone. Everyone's kind of chilling and we're just riding these climbs hard. And of course, some people are going to try and get away, but there's gonna, my hope was there's going to be a big group, big group together. <laughs> We'll leave that cliffhanger. If you followed us, you kind of know what happens from here. But there's the story I'm most looking forward to relates to when we're on the bus. And, and actually, if you haven't heard the podcast, there's a podcast I posted with Jordan's name in the title, probably 10 podcasts ago. I see Jordan in the lobby. I'm podcasting. Jordan just walks up and says, I'm tired. <laughs> So it was a combo of not sleeping and the stage race. They also were kept up for a good amount of the night. Uh, but I think the best, the, the, the race was amazing. Somebody asked me, your trip looked incredible. And I actually said, yeah. And after the race, like the non-racing was the best part. I'm going to write a blog about it at some point. I just have too many other things I'm trying to get together for Evoke right now. But I'll, um, the trip was incredible, but there was a point on the bus when I'm like half going to sleep and this comes up in stage five and somebody says, it might've been Jean-Michel. I can't remember exactly. What's your biggest war story. What's your biggest like bad day. How, do you remember how he phrased it? Was a bad day on yeah. the bike? <clears throat> epic day on the bike. Yeah. I think it was your most epic. And then the, the response, it was me and Jordan and Jean-Michel, I think, was the kind of the yeah. core of the, the conversation. It went from your most epic day to, like, really, it was what was your hardest day. Okay. What or was your biggest, yeah. biggest war and, story. And to bring a full circle of – this excites me. Dude, it excites me so much when Chris had asked me, like, so how old is Matt? And Matt's 29. He's like, Matt's 29? I'm like, yeah, dude, he's going to be the young guy on the team. Matt's story was about a gravel race that was cold out where he dropped his chain, chased people down and won. And I remember laying there feeling like dog shit, not even really wanting. I just couldn't even jump in the conversation. I remember thinking, that's so cute. 
that's his hardest day. Like I'm so excited for what he has to come. Like it's just that I dropped my chain. I destroyed everyone and I won. And I'm like, Oh man, he hasn't even had like a brutal bitch ass <laughs> bike world universe kicks you in the face type of day. Maybe that's at the conversation <laughs> because I'm going to tell you right now, the stories from stage five are going to be pretty good. It was not a day that I saw coming. It was definitely a day I've, I have experienced before, but it was, it was a day and it, it, I'm still disappointed how it ended. Uh, and, you know, I think, I think there were things we could have done even with the circumstances that we talked about before that maybe could have gotten us through. I, we made a poor choice in the beginning. I think we made a poor choice midway through. Um, yeah, we'll leave it there. I mean, people, most people will know what happened, but there was a, there were some conversations there that I think were really good that I think we'll look back on in five years. And I think this is the cool thing about podcasting and whatever, now that we're really, I think the podcast is coming up on two years. I think I, I started dabbling in the podcast because I used to have an old podcast that I did for cycling, did some interviews and whatever, and then just didn't keep it up. I think this is about two years in. I haven't listened to old ones, but I think this these trip podcasts will be a cool memory. And I think the stories from stage five, the stage is, is pretty brief, um, but there were a lot of things that happened during it that, it was a cool bonding experience too. I mean, we didn't really, somebody had said, Oh, well you and Matt know each other. I'm like, dude, we don't really know each other. Like we've, we're on the same team for the first time we've raced against each other. Five, five times, four times, not many times. Yeah. Like, yeah. Probably, probably four. Talked about an Instapot once, uh, chatted on Instagram, but like, it was by no means like, yeah, we're best buds and we hang out every weekend. So it was a super cool experience. Um, and it just goes to show even I'm giving away tons of spoilers, but even though the, even if the race doesn't end up the way you hope and actually quite opposite of what it was, uh, doesn't mean it's going to be a bad day. And to Whitney Stambro, the very first evoke podcast guest, he said, no bad days on the bike. And so stage five was just, it was a day. It yeah. Was a day. Um, one other thing before we go, I was thinking maybe we should have, and I think we couldn't find vegetables. Would you look for more canned veggies now in retrospect? Cause my diet was so jacked up on like garbage. And when I say yeah. garbage, granola, dried fruit on repeat, which I don't eat granola here because of the sugar. I'm eating a lot of sugar in the race because it's really long stages. I think that was another thing that messed up my gut. Um, I never really thought we should have been like getting like canned beets and canned anything and just yeah because veggie consumption was a lo- at an all-time low like yeah i had a salad last night and i thought of you it was the number <laughs> one number one ever beet salad i asked this guy I'm like how's the beet salad like, it's really good there's a lot of beets in it i'm like that's amazing because i hate when i order a beet salad and it's like four slices and i'm like oh hey guys this salad sucks because there's no beef it was <laughs> golden and red, I think at least one full of eat like in thick slices, perfectly cooked, super tender, amazing bed of greens. You wouldn't have liked the chicken. It had a white balsamic vinaigrette on it, and it did have some cheese. Uh, it's weird. I've been kind of since Ecuador. I've been eating some cheese here and there. I don't know if I want to keep that going, but uh, and they had toasted chickpeas and Ooh. I could have done more chickpeas. I would actually ask for double next time. Um, and I, something else in there, but I was like, dude, this is a Govero salad. Yeah, now that, that we joke about it, I every time I say your last name, I can't tell him sound like Govero, Govero. No, it's Govero, <laughs> Govero, right? That's right, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna that's steal awesome. that up here. <laughs> I don't know, it's so hard for me. I'm like, that, that's awesome. I was on a bike and I was like, Govero, Govero. Wait, shit, which one is it now? Govero, the AUX does kind of help. <laughs> There you go. There you go. But yeah, I, I would definitely, <clears throat> I would definitely jump on some canned veggies. I mean, just more variety. 
mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, we would hit grocery stores pretty much every town or every other town. And, you know, I, I think we, we missed a lot there, but I mean, we're, you're tired, you're time rushed and all you can think is carbs. Yeah, but you couldn't even get fresh fruit really to bring because you're bringing it in this race bag that's getting chucked in the back of a truck under it. Like you, if you put a banana in there, it would die. It would be squashed. Yeah. Like you could yeah. maybe do apples, you could do harder fruits, but yeah, it's just not, not ideal. So any parting words for the people? This was a great one. And uh, yeah. I'm actually glad that stage five will get its own shine and talk about needing that dough maybe the trip home, maybe we can parlay yeah. into what's next in 2022 goals based on when we record that versus when we have the team chat and okay. put something in the Apple notes. You didn't put anything in there. So I was like, I know, but I've, I've got them pulled up, man. I'm, I've been, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll put something in there. Put something in there. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Have a great day. Oh. Sorry. We went a little bit over. Uh, have a oh, it's no big deal. And I'll talk to you soon. All right, dude. Enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. See ya.